Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am Jason Egan. <laughs> David Backs here. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. Ugh. What's up? Man, you know what? I miss Jason. <laughs> oh, really? Already? I'm, ma- I'm, making a cho- I'm, I'm making a change. Oh, no. So. That's a shame. I was just starting to like this podcast. <laughs> I was thinking oh. about subscribing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, man, you beat me to it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, d- uh, yeah. You know, thanks to Jason for filling in for me last week. I was, uh, you know, unwell under, under yeah. the weather. Um, <clears throat> I needed to be rest up, rested up since Sunday was Valentine's Day. Sure was. I'd say what I got. What'd you get? I got the complete Kraftwerk box set. Eight albums of Kraftwerk. I don't know what, uh, what Kraftwerk You've never listened to Kraftwerk? No. It starts with a K, though, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Okay, you've seen The Big Lebowski. Yeah, the, is, uh, the, the band Autobahn, Autobahn is based on Kraftwerk. Yeah, okay. inspired by so Kraftwerk. So it's, it's, I'm sorry, I'm probably going to offend somebody. It's Kraftwerk? Yeah. Okay, so it's basically. Yeah, yeah but I, I tend to say Kraftwerk. And I got the entire, it's all eight, it's, oh, great Valentine's Day I had. All right. Uh, even though I was recovering. But yeah, thanks to Jason and thanks so much to jo- to Doug Jones. Yeah. I'm bummed that I didn't get to meet him. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to stalk him at Comic-Con this year. All right. <laughs> and. Uh, and and see if I can meet him uh, and apologize in person for not being here. But, well, uh, David, I, I know that there's a question on your mind, and I'm sure there's a question on everybody's lips. Yes, every single thing about him is just like Mark Kelly. Everything. Oh, Mark Kelly, our friend. Yes, Mark Kelly. our friend Mark We've Kelly. We've never talked about Mark Kelly on the show. No, but... <laughs> so that was a, I don't think it was on anybody's... <laughs> no, I know, but that's for, that's for you and for me yeah. and for Mark, if he's listening. Yeah, so, right, of course. Mark, everything you do is like Doug Jones, and he was here first, so, you know. <laughs> just saying. Get, Mark, Mark is a guy that we both know from Missouri that I went to high school with. And, that's right. Yeah. And I acted alongside, although his character was the only one I didn't talk to in Bus Stop. So, How about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, now, David, what are we going to talk about at the, at the top of the show? Um, I was going to talk about the fact that we had a guest host, which is unprecedented we've never done it before it is and it kind of worked out it did (laughs) almost too well yeah i I think because normally if we know like we're gonna be out of town we'll one of us will be that we'll do like you know two uh or three like the weekend before yeah you know or uh some like i remember one one year from comic-con after comic-con i had to come back after spending the whole week at comic-con and we did an episode like that night yeah yeah that was that was crazy um, had fun, but uh, mm-hmm. I was exhausted, and uh, so I think that might happen in the future. Uh, I'd like feedback, actually, to people like yeah. not just to people like Jason, because everybody likes Jason. Um, yeah, everybody I know likes Jason. Yeah, morning say for you. <laughs> I know more people who know him, but that's fine. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> um, uh, but also, did do you are, are you know I like like some feedback as to just having a guest host. I think it'll it'll if we do it again, it'll be people. Like Jason, who have been on the show, yeah, who are familiar with the show, yeah. Uh, I think a it good also radio voice, yeah, and I think also it it helps to uh, have somebody who I know it sounds weird, but somebody who's had some podcast experience or sure. broadcasting uh, in some way, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it wound up being a very uh, a very painless experience, and I was actually kind of worried. I, I've known Jason for years, um, but. Uh, you know, it's just like all of a sudden, like, you know, at this point, you and I are at a, at a place where if we're talking to a guest and I'm out of questions, you usually have one ready and uh-huh. vice versa. And with him, thankfully, because it's Jason, I know that, you know, when I told him, hey, you're subbing for David, I knew that he would come with a whole list of questions. And sure enough, he did. But yeah. uh, you've known Jason longer than you've known me, right? No, I think it's probably right around the same time. Wow. OK. So but uh, but yeah, so. So I was very, and so uh, I'm trying to think uh, who we would who we would possibly get. Jason, definitely. But then yeah, I don't want to name any names because they might say no. <laughs> oh yes, okay, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Yeah, we don't want to get anybody's hopes up. Uh, but you wanted to talk about an email that you and I received today. Yeah, um, and I don't remember the name of the person uh, who emailed us, but um, my phone's right over there. I can find it. No, that's, that's okay. That's fine. A computer's right here, but I'm not going to look. Okay. Um, start with an L. Leonard, I think, may, may might have been it. Um, and uh, and he brought up a, an interesting point, and um, and I hope that in that in my tone for the next few minutes, I don't sound insulting because he actually brought up a point that I've that I've thought of in the past, mm-hmm. uh, in which he was talking about uh, uh, a barrier that 
that kind of keeps him from really enjoying certain older films, uh, mm-hmm. films of maybe like the fifties or before, um, is that just some of the dialogue is a little, for lack of a better word, clunky. Um, it's very expositionish, and or it'll be like a little too heightened, and it's and I, I've I've said that before, perhaps even on the podcast, that in some films, uh, you know, trying to imitate reality didn't seem to be uh, a, a high priority. In fact, I'd say in most of them, like there was always a certain a certain degree of style that uh, that kind of separated our world from the film world. I think that's because film came out of out of theater mm-hmm. where it, it it seems counterintuitive because with theater you're seeing people right in front of you. Right. And with film there's artifice, but in a way theater is, is uh, has to be more heightened than film can be. Yeah. I think because it's actually people they're just people there. They kind of have to, to to justify the fact that you're all looking at them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> kind of have to to uh, to play it up. And I think because uh, I think it was a slow progression from the birth of film to um, maybe the uh, like the 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 late fifties, early sixties is where it really started to uh, it, not not started. It started at the beginning, but like I'm saying, it's a slow progression from the beginning of film to the early sixties. Yeah, where film uh found its own voice in a way yeah. you know so in a lot of the ways these earlier films uh is as great of it as they are still have one foot or more in yeah. the theater tradition you yeah know? and it it might be that uh that a lot of the actors in the early days of film they just came over from theater i mean that's sure. the vast majority of them did and i think probably in the 60s agnes moorhead agnes moorhead is a good example thank you Anyway, I just so, like saying her name. I know you do, and she's a, a awesome. great actress. Um, yeah, you know. And speaking she's of which, from St. Louis. Oh, okay. Speaking yeah. of which, I could be wrong about that. She, <laughs> I'm pretty sure she is. <laughs> well, you're usually right about this kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, you know, there's never been, uh, at least not that I know of, uh, a DVD release of Magnificent Ambersons. Uh, yeah, I know my that. hope, much like Chimes at Midnight, my hope is that you know, Kino or Criterion is just. Spending a lot of time getting like a great print and like putting some just getting some solid packaging together and some good special features. That's my hope. But uh, you know, there's a surprising amount of Orson Welles' work that uh, that people don't really have the avail- uh, ability to see. And the reason that I bring it up is because Agnes Moorhead uh, plays Aunt Fanny in uh, Magnificent Ambersons, and she's absolutely astounding. Anyway, um, but one of the Did you ever see the Twilight Zone she was in? No. It's great. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I'll look for that. You should. It's a good one. But uh, <laughs> I think you should probably save comments like that for your other podcast, all right? You'll Oh, because it's TV. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I'll talk more about my other podcast at the end of the show. Indeed. That's a tease. Stay tuned. Listen all the way to the end They're to hear about gonna, my other podcast. They're not going to. <laughs> sure they are. But, um, but yeah, so, so I, feel like, I feel like maybe in the 50s and 60s, that's when you started to get actors who, as they were growing up, their desire was to be in film right. as opposed to theater make the t- and make the transition. Like, film was the goal. Yeah. Um, and also, <clears throat> advances in technology, the more the camera was mobile, yeah. the the more realistic you could be. Yeah. You know? Um, but that's... The the whole thing, the whole complaint the, the, is about the dialogue in, in this email. And again, the guy's bringing up a good point. I don't yeah. want to sound like I'm being, being mean here. Uh or dismissing his 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 point, but um, mm-hmm. uh, the thing about the dialogue is that the rest of the film is like that too. In mo- in, in in good films, mm-hmm. you know, good films from that era, yeah, the dialogue is a little heightened, but the whole reality is is right. a little heightened. A little, right. You know, maybe uh, more of a tendency towards melodrama or 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 sentimentality or whatever. Just mm. uh, it's a it's a little faker and a little heightened, but it's. Yeah. In the good ones, you know, like a, like a Casablanca or whatever, right. or it's it's across the board. Yeah, and I think that's actually that brings up what I was going to say specifically in response to like he gave some examples. He talked about watching the original King Kong mm-hmm. and um, uh, the Most Dangerous Game, and that uh, in these films the the dialogue. And again, to the the listener who who wrote this, I'm not slamming you at all. 
Um, you're not saying anything. I just I don't want to give the impression it's like this idiot, blah blah blah, nothing like no, that. No, we're just answering the question, right? And so, um, but anyway, so he brought up. He said he was watching the original King Kong, and just found like huge chunks of dialogue to just be like, as I said, really clunky, lot of exposition, kind of not well worded, and and by extension, not really well acted. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I so I was looking at that, and I and I think you know what, that's probably true. I haven't seen King Kong in a long time, but I have no doubt that there probably is some clunky dialogue in that. But then it got me thinking that it's it's not necessarily a function of the time. It's a function of, in this case, the kind of movie it, it, it was. Um, it was King Kong. King <laughs> Kong is a spectacle film. I hate to say it, as somebody who loves acting and loves dialogue, nobody went to see it for that. People yeah. went to see it because it is a big spectacle. And what I would compare it to is, I don't know anybody who really stands by the dialogue and script and even the acting in Avatar. Like, that's that's not why anybody goes to see it. Yeah. They want to see the spectacle, and then they're willing to make do with uh, with the dialogue. And so I think yeah. that... I, I, yeah, to a certain extent, there are two things that make uh, it seem like the dialogue is less clunky in newer movies. Mm-hmm. One, just in the course of half a century, the so just sort of American patois has changed. Yeah, yeah. You know, we... We speak a little differently, so it's going to sound different. Yeah. Also, there were rules as to what you could say. Mm-hmm. You know, like Avatar has clunky dialogue, but they can say shit. In yeah. The, you know, and so it seems a little more immediate and like real life because people actually say shit. Right. They did then too. Yeah. You know, uh, they just couldn't say it on on screen. So right. th- I think those are the two main factors. And and it just got it. It just got me thinking that like there's bad dialogue now. It's, yeah. It all depends. And there was great dialogue then. You know, I think it's all about the genre of the film, but also you know just the great quality of the film. What's that? All the King's Men, the original. It's a great screenplay. That's a great example. That's a that's really good, and it it might be a little heightened. Yeah, uh, and that's I think dictated by the main character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, that's just one. I would I would suggest to this guy. Yeah. Uh, go rent not the the Sean Penn one, which I haven't seen. I don't know. Maybe it's great. Heard it's but, terrible. Uh, I, I reserve judgment. Oh, okay. Uh, until I've seen a movie, but go rent the original All the King's Men. That's yeah. a great movie. That and like a movie like Best Best Years of Our Lives. Sure, yeah. You know, just, there there are movies out there that seem realistic. But what I would say is, as far as the dialogue and the performances, but what I would actually say is that it's not to me. It's it's not even so much a function of it being of it seeming realistic as it is seeming believable. A movie like Maltese Falcon, which has kind of over-the-top characters and, I'd say, archetypes Mm -hmm. doing things that you don't see in everyday life, that seemed believable to me because you've got solid dialogue and great actors delivering it to the point where it doesn't bother you now what these people are saying. It it doesn't bother you that it doesn't mimic our reality, uh, probably even the reality of the time. It doesn't mimic that perfectly well. You know, it's just, if you find the good movies... um, it will it will seem realistic because it will seem believable because you'll actually buy uh, what's going on. You know, uh, another example is the Thin Man or the Philadelphia Story, in which the dialogue's absolutely heightened, and mm-hmm. but it's but the actors but the dialogue is great, and the actors are selling it so well that it's just like I don't care if no one has ever spoken like this in the history of the world. This is great, you mm-hmm. know. And so, so I think a lot of it has to do with you know considering the the type of film that it is king kong no one no one went into it expecting um expecting amazing dialogue and mm-hmm. uh you know they went in expecting it to uh, be really spectacular and it, and it absolutely was i'd say great proof of this point is that the the dialogue in peter jackson's king kong is not exactly <laughs> uh you, you know it's it's not a, it's not a mike lee film <laughs> man what if my again as as i've said before i want there to be i want like an eccentric trillionaire, I guess, to just buy Hollywood and then just decide he's going to just uh, run it like a chemistry set or something. And we just, he just takes the script from a Transformers film, gives it to Jim Jarmusch and say, all right, you can adapt this so that it fits your style a little bit more, but it still needs to be an action film. And uh-huh. just like, all right, well, we've got King Kong. We need to remake it. Who are we going to get? Uh, Woody Allen's busy. So I guess Mike Lee is fine. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what I want Hollywood to be, but I don't think they're going to do it. <laughs> Keep dreaming. Now, um, <laughs> Keep reaching for those stars. Exactly. Now, now you mentioned the Maltese Falcon. I sure a did. Ago. 
and the uh, the the titular object there, yeah. the falcon. Um, now that's the object that everyone's chasing. It, 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 sure it sets the plot in motion, uh, and it keeps the plot going. Yeah. That movie, you know, it's the reason the movie exists. In other words, you're saying that it's it itself is really important. No. Wait, what? No. It's just an excuse for the movie. You are shitting me. The Falcon itself is not important. It could be a Maltese anything. I don't even I don't even really know what Maltese <laughs> means. It's from the from the island. It's from, from Malta. Malta. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I kind of figured. <laughs> uh, um, now there's a name for this sort of thing. Okay. I think I'm not entirely sure I have the definition <laughs> correct. Ah, uh, dearest David. Uh, now here's the deal. I don't. Uh, I I don't. I've only mentioned this in passing on the show before, but I occasionally and and lately more often, uh, or or I will be in the near future. I write for uh, an online magazine called The Quietus. Yeah, thequietus dot com. That's the quiet, the letter U, letter S. The quiet US. <laughs> yeah, the quiet US. Uh, We've really calmed it down. <laughs> yes, um, and I wrote a piece last week that was featured on IMDb. I, I'm sure that's why you got oh, okay. the reaction that okay. you did. Um, uh, about um, some of the best uh, uh, MacGuffins. MacGuffins, yeah. In in the history of film. Yeah. And apparently, I don't know what the hell a MacGuffin is, <laughs> and that article is the most embarrassing moment of my life. Did you read that? Uh, yeah, I did. One of the, there's this, all these comments, I mean, all these comments. It's like 15 comments. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of comments for something I write, you know? It's yeah. not like... It's not the AV club. Right, you know, right. But I'm saying uh, <laughs> these people just just tearing into me because apparently I don't know what a MacGuffin is. And one person said, "This is, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but this is no doubt the most em- embarrassing moment of your life. Yeah. No, and, you will look back on it yeah. as the most embarrassing moment uh, of your life. To which my girlfriend replied, yeah, this is probably one of the most triumphant moments of his. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yeah. Well uh, done, Natalie. Have we given her name? Nope. Now we have. That's all right. I can beep it. I can go back and beep it no, if you want. No, no. Her name's Natalie. Okay. She's, she's awesome. I didn't say her last name. Yeah. No, of course not. Jones. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not Jones. Portman. Um. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, yeah. It's Man, That reading that thing was just so much... Because at first I, was, I just saw like... Because uh, I'm dumb this way. At the bottom of the Internet Movie Database, you know, there'll uh-huh. be the hit list, and it's just various external links that, uh, that are interesting. When was the last time we were on the hit list? It's been a while. I've, sub- I've submitted us a bunch. I guess they just turned on us or something like that. Uh, I, just, I don't think they care for us anymore. IMDb. IMDb. <laughs> but, um, but the... Uh, so, so I saw one that uh, just said, uh, much ado about MacGuffins, which, by the way, I don't know who thought of that. That's great. Yeah, it is. I didn't think That's of it. That's a solid title. Um, and I thought it might be you because I know that you enjoy wordplay and you enjoy puns. Yeah. But uh, but it's it's very so I was like I was like oh this is about MacGuffins what a coincidence that's what David was mentioning to me that he was writing about. Oh I'm stupid. Okay <laughs> here it is. Um, and it just man it's been a while since I've been reminded. Well, what, did you, what did you think of the article? I thought it was fine. Oh, I I I think I probably agree with with uh, well. Do you, do you have the 10 in mind that you... Uh... Oh, no, I don't remember. Okay. Uh, the Maltese Falcon was on there. Yeah. Um, the Unobtainium and Avatar. Yeah. It was the, sort of the, the new one. Yeah. The Ring from uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and this is Rosebud. where we get into, into some problems. I And there's really... The Ring, yes, but probably the biggest one that people had a problem with was the Ark. In Raiders of the in Lost Ark. In Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. So... Um, so I guess during this episode we are we're talking about MacGuffins, yeah. but I feel like we should also define. Yeah, what we I think, think that should be. sort of be the, the the thrust of the episode. Yeah. Um, actually, you know what? Because I'm gonna, it, it's not gonna take me that long. Yeah. <laughs> to, look, it's not. This isn't. Uh, you don't. You don't have to uh, plug in the. This isn't science. Yeah. It's film. You don't have to plug in the exact measurements. You yeah. know. Uh, a MacGuffin doesn't have to fit into the if it's if it has any effect uh, on the characters whatsoever. It's not a MacGuffin. That's not true. Right. Uh, it's just um, it's just the reason for the plot. Yeah. You know. Um, and I think I think where people get hung up is to them. You know, we were talking a moment ago, and we were kind of joking about uh, the the Falcon in Maltese Falcon being important in of in and of itself and and one of the con one of the ideas behind a MacGuffin is that it's not important in and of itself 
And some would say that, well, the ring is like the embodiment of evil and it's a very much a charged object mm-hmm. and it whispers to people and it tempts people and all that kind of thing. Um, and then the Ark uh, melts people's faces, among mm-hmm. other things, yeah, and makes their heads explode, by the way. And people then get hung one, up in the melting? Is that what you're... What was that? Is hey, the melting face is by far the most ex- exciting of those deaths. Uh-huh. But a, one character, one Nazi character, gets kind of kind of implodes a little uh-huh. bit, and then Belloc's head explodes. Spoilers. Right, and then the third one is just right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well done, sir. But, um, but yeah, and so I think some people said, well, well, wait a minute, no, no, no. Those objects don't just sit there... And don't they don't do anything? It's not like they don't they don't do anything. One is whispering to Frodo, and one is melting uh, that guy, the German guy's face. Yeah, and that's definitely part of the movie. Yeah, but it's sort of a it's it's a matter of degrees. Yeah, you know, it's not the you're not really watching Lord of the Rings uh, to hear what the ring has to say. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, you're watching the journey. You know, mm-hmm. and the the way that the uh, what happens over the journey between the characters and other characters that they meet, and mm-hmm. of course, awesome action scenes, which yeah. is—I um, don't want to sound dismissive—that's just as important to a movie like Lord of the Rings or especially Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, and Raiders of the Lost Ark is like another one that was on my uh, on my list for the quietest, um, and another Indiana Jones MacGuffin from a different movie was the Grail from yeah. the the the. the uh, example I used was Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah. Because Monty Python and the Holy Grail is essentially a series of comedy sketches. Yeah, yeah. And they need something to... To just, to, yeah, circle yeah. around, yeah. Yeah, it's like, they're like, uh, each sketch is like a bead on a necklace, you, you know? Yeah. It's like a little uh, Fruit Loop and you're making some candy necklace. Uh, <laughs> See, what, anyway. did you, I forget, did you put that in the no. in the article? No. I think you should have. I wish I should, I wish I had. Uh, and that's, I mean... Riddles of the Lost Ark is essentially just the action version of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's a series of awesome action set pieces. Yeah, uh, that's that's why we you know it was, it was inspired by the movie serials that would show before features. Yeah, uh, and, and so it just keeps having these cliffhangers, and you need something to to pull it together. Yeah, uh, and that's that's the main purpose the arc serves. Yeah, and. And I, I, I almost in this forum wrote something, and then I thought, you know what, I'm not going to do that, because uh, probably for the best. I, I've I've learned my lesson uh, based <laughs> on other forums that uh, no one's really going to listen to you. No. Um. And so, uh, but the thing that got me uh, about the arc specifically was, yeah, the arc, maybe the arc wasn't a MacGuffin, but then if you watch Temple of Doom, you watch Last Crusade, you watch. Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and you come to realize, oh, the Ark really could have been any of those. It could have been the stones in Temple of Doom. It uh-huh. could have been the Holy Grail. It doesn't matter. It's an object that everyone is chasing that has some kind of power that will destroy the villain at the end. Right. And the fact that it could be the Ark or the Holy Grail means that the object itself does not have inherent significance. And uh, and like when I, once I thought that, I'm like, ah, oh, these idiots aren't thinking this, and they're shaming my friend David for <laughs> for a reason that he shouldn't be ashamed. And no, just, I'm not. That's the difference between. Well, I think you, you should be ashamed because of the writing quality, but I, as far as <laughs> what you say, I think it's fine. But the slight difference between you and me is that you tend to get a little bothered when people criticize us on the internet, whereas I am pleased as punch <laughs> by it. <laughs> well, I think nothing the, tickles me more. <laughs> it is. I mean, it, here's the thing: is like when people criticize almost anything on on the internet, like uh, as long as I like when their when their attitude is kind of for lack of a better word, half-assed and not really thought through completely. And I'm sure I say I say things that aren't thought through. I, everyone does, but at the same time, it's just... It, it just bothers me so much. Like, for example, friend of the show Paul Goebel has mentioned on his show when, you know, he'll say something... You know, he has said something like, uh, if you don't like Obama, you're a racist. <laughs> now, that to me, speaking as someone who... I know a lot of people that don't like Obama, and I know a lot of racists. They're not always the same people, dude. Right. And so um, that's a joke, of course. I don't know a lot of racists, but it's it's just the – and so it's one of those things just like I voted for Obama. Uh-huh. And, uh, 
And so why am I? So I sent him a long email in which I defended people that I probably didn't agree with politically because just his attitude was just like, ah, that's a little too dismissive. And first, yeah. and then for someone, and then he made fun of me on his show about it. Probably he should have because that's ridiculous <laughs> for me to do that. But you know, when someone uh, when someone literally says that you should be embarrassed and that uh, and this there to me the comment where they go. They go, dearest David. Uh-huh. They start with that, and uh-huh. just like, how how absolutely condescending can you get with not much to back it up? And uh, and that's what that's what bothered it's me a, is that attitude. Just, it, there's that's the thing. There's no like textbook definition of a MacGuffin. It's a yeah. silly name, yeah, for a filmmaking convention. Yeah, you know, and not every if every MacGuffin were exactly like. You know the uranium in Notorious, yeah. where it doesn't really matter that it's uranium or anything else. Yeah, um, it wouldn't co- it wouldn't co- it wouldn't allow a lot of variation in movies. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty cool that um, that uh, um, the MacGuffin blows people's heads up yeah. in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's a nice little twist. Yeah, and it's you know, and that's the thing is if if you try if you think too hard about it, almost nothing is a MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah. the The statue of the black bird. You know what? You know that black is just enameling covering solid gold and jewels. That's inherently valuable to people, right? You know what I mean? It's just like so. Yeah. So and that, uranium in the hands of Nazis is much more dangerous than yeah uh, acorns. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's, that's true. And so, so it just just overthinking something as. I mean, quite frankly, I'm a little surprised they even asked you to. Ask you to write an article about it because because <laughs> who cares? I mean, there it's interest it's interesting. I think, and you and I have actually talked about doing it as a as a topic before, and that's why we're doing it now. Absolutely, kind of. Except that I don't really have any that weren't on my list in, in mind right now. So, uh, and I don't really either. But actually, I uh, it got me thinking because I'm trying to broaden my view of what a MacGuffin is. Can a person be a MacGuffin? Well, here's something I wanted to bring up okay. uh, that I saw while while doing the research I did for that. Okay. Which is, I mean, about an hour's worth of research. It's not, I'm not writing a paper or anything. Right, right. Wait, what did you just say? I said I'm not writing a paper or anything. No, you were writing an article, though. I mean... No, but I mean like a... Like a, like a long... Like a, a I, thesis or something. Yeah, this isn't uh, an academic... Okay. Was, uh, you yeah. know, my, I don't have any grades, depending on this. Right. Uh, it, was a, it was for fun, essentially. Yeah. But in doing the research, I saw that... Um, George Lucas has referred to, in the first Star Wars movies, referred to R2-D2 as kind of the MacGuffin, because hmm. he has the Death Star plans, right? Oh, yeah, I guess so. And, the, and that, and so the, he's kind of the, because, uh, what, I haven't seen the movie in so long, and I'm yeah, not yeah. a huge Star Wars nerd, yeah. but Princess Leia gives R2-D2 the plans, right, and then records herself onto R2-D2, Yeah, and he plays the... Yeah, you know, I think, plays the message back, yeah. and so the whole movie wouldn't happen if it weren't for for R two D two and the plans and that recording. Yeah, and and so uh, I even you know even I think that's a bit of a stretch as far as a, a MacGuffin. I think it is because be- it, it kicks it it kicks the movie off, but it doesn't necessarily uh, move the whole movie along. You know, right, right. Um, but that's just an interesting point. Yeah, I think. Did you have another point as far as a person who's a MacGuffin? Well, I think they're you know. For example, um, Children of Men, uh-huh. there is uh, a, a woman whose I, name, I believe, is Key. I don't remember. I haven't seen it since the theater. Well, she's she's pregnant. And right. Granted. No, I know you're talking about. In the, in the, her name. Yeah, I, I know you know who I'm talking <laughs> about, David. Um, but, you know, in, the, in, the, in this world, people haven't, you know, nobody's been pregnant for a while. There haven't been any kids born in 18 years. And so for this woman to be pregnant is great, but she ends and she needs to be protected, you know. But she doesn't have much of a personality herself, and she really, she could be anything. You know, I mean, she's being rushed along, and she's really, a lot of things happen because of her or in reaction to her condition, but not as a reaction to anything that she's consciously doing. And so I found myself wondering, you know, because the, the, the traditional definition of a MacGuffin is that it's, it's kind of passive, there's really nothing amazing about it, but there is something amazing about the character in Children of Men. But then if you look at everything about her, it could really be anything. And 
and it really is she really is just used to just move the action along i think mm-hmm. um and so so once i started thinking about that it really got me thinking that just like really anything anything and anybody can be a, a MacGuffin. and for and for the people i'm sorry to keep referring to them but it's because of, uh the people on this message board or, or the commenters on your article mm-hmm. it's because of them that we decided to have this discussion yeah um but it's just to to pick something that was just said offhandedly by Alfred Hitchcock, he's the one who coined the phrase, right? The term. Um, he, I think he's the one who popularized it. Okay, but I think, um, I think it was a term in use among the sort of British film industry of the of the nineteen okay. twenties and thirties. Well, it certainly sounds British. That goes without saying. But, but it's not uh, Scottish. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's my favorite character in uh, in Macbeth. Um, <laughs> MacGuffin, MacGuffin, yeah, and so, uh, but just to take this this term and really like make it so literal and just oh well, clearly this is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I just it just bothers me. I you know I feel like we're almost done talking about this topic. Well, but we can still talk about more fun examples of yeah un- unconventional MacGuffins. Okay, you know if you think about it for for at least for large portions of the movie, Harry Lime is a MacGuffin. Oh yeah, you, you know. I mean, once you once you meet him, it kind of the movie changes a bit. Yeah, a little. <laughs> but uh, uh, th- I think that's another example of of a person being like a MacGuffin. Yeah, and so often, I mean, you could almost do an article. You know what, David? You should write a sub article for the Quietus in which you just talk about MacGuffins that are briefcases. Because <laughs> okay, so what do we got? We got Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Kiss Me Deadly. I would say. Yeah, but that's not really a briefcase. It's like an iron box. Uh, is it a box? I, for, I I seem to recall people being able to carry it easily. It might have a handle on it, but I, okay. I, 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 don't, I don't remember. I haven't seen it in a while. But it's but not a briefcase. I didn't think of it as a briefcase. Okay. And then I guess in uh, No Country for Old Men, it's more of a satchel. Right. A satchel full of money. In Eight Heads in, eight heads in a Duffel Bag, it's more of a duffel bag. Yeah. I actually never saw that movie. For life, I, me, I can't remember what was in it, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's like Pulp Fiction. I don't think you ever know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Man, that... There's a lot of layers to that film, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's I can't really uh, I hate to say it, but I can't really think of any beyond what you talked about um, because what is the one from oh no oh shoot now I can't even remember thirty uh, thirty nine steps oh yeah I can't remember it's just the the guy I, I can't remember yeah as much as I love thirty nine steps that's how unimportant I mean Hitchcock was really good at the, the unimportant MacGuffin yeah yeah you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, 39 Steps is a great movie, too. It is. Um, and then, uh, oh, go ahead. And then, of course, there's the, the money that Janet Lee steals in Psycho, as long as we're talking about. That's right, uh, yeah. Yeah. And that, and that one's a great one, because he actually, Hitchcock, he knew, like, the unimportant MacGuffin, but he also knew when, when to really exploit the audience's interest, and just like, oh, you know, I, I, it's frustrating. I often, I often wish that I lived in a different time when I didn't know everything about a certain film. <laughs> like I'm trying to transport myself to, you know, 1960 when Psycho had just come out. You're not expecting Janet Lee to be killed in the first 40 minutes. You, you don't even really know what her story has anything, what, what it has to do with the term Psycho. Uh-huh. She doesn't seem that psycho to me. She just yeah. seems a little greedy, and it's, even then, it's understandable. <laughs> but like, um, who wouldn't want to steal from this cocky Texan? But sure. uh, but then, uh, so like, the idea of the it's it's not it's not immediately revealed to be a MacGuffin because this is what's going to get her out of her you know her situation. Uh-huh. Now she can go and marry her boyfriend. Everything's going to be great, and then and then once she is killed, spoilers. <laughs> um, at this point, I just enjoy- anyway. So but everybody knows that Janet Lee dies. In no, Psycho. I know that's that why it's not, funny to yeah. me. Um, but the uh, the once she dies, the money it doesn't matter. It's at the bottom of a swamp. No one cares, and uh, and and we stop caring as well. And we realize like, oh, this money was just to get her to that hotel or motel. I'm sorry, to motel. Uh, that's that's the only per- the only purpose it served, and uh, and I like that. I like that he takes something that in another film, which is you know a huge amount of money, something that in another film would be the whole focus, and just is like yeah, nothing matters when you're a psycho because <laughs> you just kill people. Yeah. But uh, 
But yeah, I oh man, David, I wish I had the article in front of me. I guess we could pull it up. Yeah, well, um, another one that I'm that I don't think anyone did mention in the comments is Rosebud. That's true. And that one, I almost, if you think about it, uh, what Rosebud is mm-hmm. actually is really important. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, to the character, not to the story. Right, to right. the character. And and I think that's the. Because I remember you and I once had a discussion about, you know, the great MacGuffins and The Ring and Rosebud and uh, Pulp Fiction Briefcase were the two thing uh, were the three things that I said immediately. And I said Rosebud without really thinking of it. And then the more I thought of it when I saw it on your list, the more I thought, like, is it really? I mean, it's important. It's it's the most important thing in the world to somebody. Yeah. And it's and it's important to the audience's understanding of the character. Yeah. Um, but really, it's just one more piece of the puzzle, right? Uh, the the main thing of the movie is us going on this journey with the with the journalist to find out about who Charles Foster Kane was, right? And Rosebud is what sets it off, yeah. And uh, and it's it's referred to throughout the movie, yeah. Um, although not a whole bunch, as I recall. No, I mean it's just someone will ask, you know, like, oh, you want to know about Rosebud? Here's a story that seemingly has nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah. I love Citizen Kane, and I love it for that reason. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it it's interesting because. Um, but I, well, I wanted oh, to say I'm sorry, go quick, ahead. Um, the the ring is sort of the same way. It is uh, by the end of the story, the the ring is is really important to who Frodo is. Yeah, you know, uh, it's uh, it. Everyone that's that's made this journey, mm-hmm. you know, or or even been a part of it. Uh, has been tested, obviously, in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But Frodo has been tested even deeper and on another level because of the ring. He's been tested on sort of, like, I, I don't know, <laughs> strength of character in a way. You yeah, know, yeah. Not just a physical test and and bravery and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. But it's actually testing his sort of greed or selfishness or desire for power or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it's sort of the same thing like Rosebud. It's really, it's really important to who the main character is. Mm-hmm. But it's still, at the end of the day... It's the excuse for the plot, and that's yeah. what I think the Mag- a MacGuffin is, is an excuse for a plot, and it can be important to something or someone. Yeah, uh, but it's it. Uh, I I think just this idea that it has to be completely inconsequential. Yeah, uh, is ridiculously limiting. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is just like everything. Everything that we've mentioned is. Yeah, I'd say that is the. The close, like the close thing to like a specific definition you can you can give it is it's just something that move, that starts the plot and moves it along because without this without this thing whatever it might be everyone would just be standing around you know uh-huh. and not really doing anything and so so it's crucial in that in that sense but it really could be anything and it could yes have an effect on someone by uh, you know blowing up their head or causing them to like be tempted to do evil. Um, with Lord of the Rings, it's an interesting thing because I remember even years ago when watching it, uh, marveling at the idea that's just like, you know, there are so many shots of just a little ring, <laughs> you know, in somebody's hand or hanging from a necklace or whatever. And and I think of like, man, they really had to, like they, they would put sound effects over of like, of just like, <laughs> and just like oh wow so they would do that and then like they would just they would show the ring and then they would show like Frodo with his giant eyes like staring at it <laughs> um, and I remember thinking like wow they are putting a lot of effort into making this little ring seem important <laughs> I understand that it probably is but uh, but they like clearly he made he needed to make it seem like more than simply a MacGuffin because there are just so many shots of it and I uh, it's weird because I could see where people are, what people are referring to, because this is where, again, I, I when I say if I say the word nerd, I don't necessarily mean for it to be pejorative or anything like that. But you read some of the some of the comments, and it's just like, oh, someone here is a big fan of Lord of the Rings because they know that Sauron has like put himself into the ring, so the ring is literally like Sauron as a ring. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> so, so I'm like, right, it's that last part as a ring that makes Sauron something of a MacGuffin. <laughs> um you know, and and honestly, and I, I think perhaps as much as I like the Lord of the Rings uh franchise, it it always had 
what to me was a, a somewhat weak. Uh, I'll say MacGuffin because I've let you know uh, a somewhat weak story drive and kind of a weak villain because we never see him, we never hear him. Uh-huh. All we see is just a big flaming eye at the top of a tower, um, and I understand that that eye is evil, but honestly, it doesn't look evil when it's just it's just an eye like looking around like quickly, and then it's just like well, he just looks nervous, you know. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, whereas you look at someone like Saruman or something like that and just like, all right, now there's someone now there's someone I can hate. Right. Um, <laughs> but like I never found uh, I this is kind of off topic a little bit, but like I never found Sauron to be I understand he is evil. And in that in in a lot of ways, he's he's like Satan where, you know, we don't see him, but we're not a fan. I get it. Uh, mm-hmm. But but like in the film, I just which is why in the extended version uh, friend of the show Mike Schmidt has talked about this on his show the mouth of Sauron is so important because finally we're actually hearing some of the things that he's got to say uh-huh. and they're quite evil and um but uh so to take a villain that to me is already hobbled because there's he's incredibly limited to take that and then imbue a small ring with that it just it didn't it didn't do it for me as far as like an emo- like the emotional resonance that I think other people may have felt perhaps because maybe they I haven't read the books so maybe it has to do with that mm-hmm. but uh just they clearly when they look at that ring they see all the power contained in it and I never did so I don't know it's so to me it is and this is going to sound more insulting than I mean for it too but I am kind of meaning for it too it is only a macguffin <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah, I, I never really thought about uh, the the evil because, I mean, I never really doubted that Frodo was going to succeed and that the mm-hmm. evil was going to be vanquished. So I never really thought about how yeah. how big a deal it was. I I just liked Lord of the Rings for uh, um, I don't know. I I guess I, I like it. It's <laughs> turning into a Lord of the Rings episode. That's fine. Uh, but the reason I like it is especially I like the extended cuts because it's it's so long. Yeah. Uh, and it has a through line, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like a season of television, and it yeah. actually is about the length of like a shorter, like a like a cable, yeah, yeah, uh, TV, you know, like a Breaking Bad season or something is about yeah. as long as, as as Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, in that it has a through story, but I love these sort of like these side stories, you know, uh, like I, I'm, and I'm you've seen them more often and more recently than mm-hmm. I have, uh, but like. Uh, uh, Gandalf? No, he's a uh, John Noble. Oh, John, yeah, yeah, John Noble's character, um, Denethor. But he's like he's only in the third one, or is yeah, he, yeah. I think I think in the extended, I think he shows up in the second one. Okay, but, but yeah, he's most um, prominent in the third. But like his that whole the whole thing with that with his character, I love that part. It's like oh yeah, and it's something you can get away with in a season of television. Yeah, and um, I, th- that's that's always that's the reason. Uh, I love Lord of the Rings. Is it's so engulfing? It's a whole world, a whole universe, yeah. you know, and it has these these little bits of really well thought out uh, character that are that are uh, just fascinating to me. Yeah, and and uh, David, as you know, I'm something of a purist uh-huh. uh, when it comes to certain things. For example, as you've given me a lot of crap on uh, before, Lost. Uh-huh. There's a there's more to it than just the show. Uh-huh. There's all kinds of online things, but for me, it's just like no, the show. That's all I care about. Yeah, and I understand that with the the alternate reality games, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's not even really canon anyway. Anyway. Yeah. But there were the missing pieces. Those episodes are considered canon. They were written and produced by the show's creators. I know. They're not farmed out to anyone. They have the actors <laughs> in them. They're they're important, and you refuse to watch them. Yeah, and also the uh, like the three like short like prequel episodes to The Wire, my favorite show uh, ever, uh, where it showed like a young prop Joe and all that. I haven't watched those either, but I've got them on uh, on my. Uh, Wait, what? There for The Wire, they produced like these three like little mini sods that were on HBO, huh. and it was like prop Joe is a young as a younger man, you know, and stuff like that. So it was. Uh, I never watched any of those. I I heard they were really interesting, but uh, they but the were... wire isn't lost. Lost is a is a genre show. No, I know, but the the reason that I brought it up is because I was actually as stupid as this sounds, and I know this sounds stupid. 
Uh-huh. Um, and I've since changed my mind. Uh-huh. But for a long time, when the when the uh, when the uh, extended versions of Lord of the Rings came out, <laughs> part of me was just like, I'm not watching those. You know, I I want what was what made it in the theater. Uh-huh. All right, because that's pure. Because nine times out of ten, any time like a movie is on DVD and it's just like, oh, the extended version, or it's usually scenes that were rightfully deleted yeah. that they threw in as a way of like maybe hooking you a little bit more. But my understanding is that the extended versions of Lord of the Rings are more of a director's cut, right? Which is why you know, which is why I was able to be like, oh, okay, fair enough, and because I watched the the extended cut, I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, I get it. Like <laughs> we got to do another marathon watch. We it's do. Been, I agree. What five years? Has it been five years. Yeah, yeah. It was five. Yeah, five years, almost to the day to, to the month. Really? It was no May. It was May. It, yeah, you're right. Because you moved out the next day. That's right. Yeah, uh, that was fun. And now we've got, you know, you've got a much bigger TV. Yeah. Than I had at the time. Uh, and still have. <laughs> let's do it. You know what? Call into work tomorrow, David. <laughs> let's let's pop these things in right now. But um, Jenny, would that be okay with you? <laughs> Jenny says okay. <laughs> she gives a thumbs up. Oh, we're yeah. supposed to pretend she's not here. Oh, all right. Anyway, <laughs> any other MacGuffins <laughs> you, you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, we're kind of at a, at a good at a good stopping point here. Yeah, I know. This is one of our shorter episodes. This is uh, well, yeah. you'll you'll get to plug something at the end. Yeah. Maybe may go like go like ten minutes. On it, so that we can uh, reach our, our <laughs> okay. other. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I can't think. Of, I mean, I can't think of any really. I mean, you brought up. Uh, you know, actually, you brought up one that is absolutely it is the it's the textbook version of the MacGuffin. Like some of these other ones, it's just like, oh well, maybe this. Uh, I don't know. The rabbit's foot. Oh, in Mission in Impossible Three, <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. No one knows what it is. Yeah. No one knows what it does. All they know is. They want it. Yeah. And it's the right size and shape to sort of <laughs> roll down the street in China so he has to run through traffic. Right. Yeah. It literally is leading him through the action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Yeah, man, the more I think about it, that is my favorite of the three Mission Impossible movies. Oh, no question. I still like the first one a lot. I know you don't. No, I've I've soured the, on it. The second one is not good at all. No. Um but yeah, Mission Impossible three is is a lot of fun. Yeah, speaking of me being a purist, I often want to watch Mission Impossible three, but I haven't bought it because it seems weird to own. Me, oh yeah, to own just number I, three. I would never buy it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like the disgust in your voice. I own the first one, but I would have to buy the second one in order to justify buying the third right. one, and I'm not going to do that. Ugh. Why is life so <laughs> difficult, David? Uh, anyway. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's our discussion on MacGuffins. That's the MacGuffin discussion. Nice, but uh, yeah, and you can go and read read uh, David's article and uh, feel free to comment on it over at the Quietus. <laughs> yeah, and there, I mean, there that that's a they got a solid organization over there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the Quietus is. I mean, uh, it's it's British and, and a lot of it is sort of uh, aimed at uh, people who live in in that part of the world. I guess yeah. uh, in terms of what sort of uh, music and movies are interesting to yeah. them but um uh it's it's not just because it's british doesn't mean it's any less no i'm joking <laughs> doesn't mean it's any more either that's the thing i'm fairly certain that uh orlando bloom to go with uh, uh lord of the rings orlando bloom would have the same acting cred that like a keanu reeves has but i think gets a lot of mileage out of the fact that he has an accent i think people think he's better than he is because uh there's like, oh well, it, uh, without even being able to verbalize it, he has that accent, and uh, huh. it's things are more convincing like that. Do you think if I moved to England, that would work for me? No, no, because the American accent or the Midwestern accent, I guess, uh, is not pleasing to the ear. When you've got, oh, the Midwestern accent is very pleasing to the ear. You think so? Yeah. Listen to Garrison Keillor. Uh, I would, but I keep falling asleep, David, <laughs> because it's so pleasing and soothing. <laughs> Which I don't actually endorse anyone listening to Garrison Keillor, but um, he does have a very soothing voice. Well, there's no question about that. But you uh, know what? I watched. Uh, we're just off topic. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, uh, I, I caught on the Sundance Channel like the last half of a Prairie Home Companion, the movie, mm-hmm. uh, again the other day, and I like it even more. It, it, I enjoy that movie. It, it, I really like it, and I hate that I have to like it so much when I have. 
I used to just like not really care about a Prairie Home Companion. Yeah. The the you know in Garrison Keeler, but then did you hear him like he wrote something they got published about how Jewish people shouldn't write Christmas songs or something? Like it's no. nuts. That's <laughs> it's it, it is nuts to think that that gentle old you know that old soul. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, this really weirdly uh intolerant thing. Uh You know what? He should have worked it into a speech. No one would have had a problem with it. Right. They'd so, just be like <laughs> You know, he's got a point. This guy, it's just down-home down home wisdom. Yeah. So now I feel even weirder that I love that movie so much. That's a great... That's, everything about that movie, about the choices made for that uh, film, are just so strange. Uh-huh. Like, you know, you could have just done like a Woodstock type thing or a Last Waltz type thing and just just treated it like a like that. Uh-huh. But no, he doesn't... Altman doesn't do that. It's a very strange film. I highly recommend Prayer Home Companion. I, I, I'm a big fan of it. But uh, and, I, but, and as as loyal listeners know, I'm not always a big Altman fan. There are a lot of his. That's true. A lot of his films that turn me off. Yeah, and that actually eh, turns me off too. You don't like <laughs> Nashville, and I'm a big fan. I like Nashville. But I like uh, Mash. what was that? I don't like Mash. I'm not. I'm with or, you on Mash. I'm not a fan of that. But um, but yeah, uh, you know what's interesting, David? Uh huh. Are you ready for your mind to be blown? Uh huh. Because I'm ready to blow your mind. Yeah, that sounds inappropriate, okay. actually, the way I phrased it. But um, the the co- the topic of MacGuffins was kind of the MacGuffin for this show. <laughs> what do All you right. think of that? Mind blown. Okay. Mind blown. All right. <laughs> and on that note, David... What's your what what's your what's your most recent project? What's going on? Okay, I, I mentioned it. Um, uh, on the the episode with with Graham and Chris from ComedyFilmNerds.com. Okay. Um, uh, I've started a new podcast. Episode one is available now. Yeah. Um, and at the I mean, by the time this goes up, no, episode two will be available. Actually, probably by the time this goes up, or about the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's it's a show called Previously On. Yeah. Which uh, uh, I hesitate to refer to as the TV version of Battleship Pretension because it's not that at all. Actually, I have no part of it. <laughs> right, but I mean, it's uh, it's me and, me and my buddy Sean, and um, it's a much more topical show. It's sort of it's a look back, it's a it's a look back at the week in television, both on and off the screen, uh, or a look back at the last seven days and all the television worth watching. Those are our two. We've got two slogans. Okay. Um, wait, wait, hang on. What? That's a slogan. What you just said. What? What else is it? Uh, a description. A slogan but, is to be like catchy. That was like that was really long. What? Say it again. Uh, uh, say it again. I look back at the last seven days and all the television worth watching. That seems clunky to me, David. Okay, but it is. You're okay. Whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry, David. I didn't mean Good to make Lord. you. Uh, <laughs> um. Anyway, and um, it's yeah, it's it's going to be very different from this show in in that in in terms of structure mm-hmm. because it's about. You know, we'll, we'll we'll sort of start talking about just sort of uh, what we watched over the last week. You know, per- personal favorites of mine and of Sean's, or or or, or smaller shows that we both watch, mm-hmm. discussing developments. Uh, we'll do some news, some TV news, and then we'll end with a discussion of the the sort of big show or shows of the week. Like obviously, yeah. right now the only big show on is Lost. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, once Breaking Bad starts, it'll be, the last segment will be lost in Breaking Bad, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, that's, that sort of thing. So that's, that's the structure of the show and you can find it on I, on iTunes if you search previously on, um, the website for now is previously on dot Libsyn dot com because that's the service we're using, but we're going to get our own, our own website. Libsyn, that's Uh, L-I-B-S-Y-N, I I believe. Short for liberated syndication. Huh. Um, uh, and uh, I yeah really appreciate you listening and um, leaving us a review or or emailing. Um, you can just email me at, at the Battleship Retention email David BattleshipRetention dot com um, or at uh, previously on show at gmail dot com. Yeah, um, well, I'm we'd really appreciate it. I'm excited uh, to listen to it myself, David, because uh, you know listeners of this show know that you have just as many opinions about television, right? And that you watch a lot. You watch a lot of television. Yeah, and now is a great time for TV. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I'm excited to see uh, what you have to say. Yeah, thanks. Um, no problem. <clears throat> yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love as much feedback as I can get. Like I said, uh, previously on show at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow uh, me and Sean for the show on Twitter at 
uh, twitter.com slash previously on show with no W. Previously on S-H-O. Uh, like the Showtime website, show.com. <laughs> That's how I remember it. <laughs> Ugh, I need a nap, David. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's with the W is one too many characters for tw- for a Twitter name. It's <laughs> uh, unfortunate. Yeah, I uh, when I when I was setting up the Twitter for more than one lesson, um, it was two characters longer, uh-huh. so it was more than one less, which <laughs> yeah. like, really like was uh, really confused me. I believe I want to say I suggested more lessons. Uh, yes, you did. Yeah, yes, you did. Because uh, more than one less just wasn't working out for me. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, well done on that one, David. Thank you. But I'm telling you, I'm great at Twitter. You're, you're I've very found good at my calling. Really? It's Twitter. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that's got to be hard to monetize, David. Yeah. But, uh, but that's all right. Close to 600 followers. Nice. Not as good as it could be. Hey, people are listening to this, David. That's great. No, I'm saying, I'm saying you can, you know... You can, oh yeah, you can say hey everybody. Well, anyway, yeah. That, so that's 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 previously on. I I uh, thank you, Tyler, for giving me uh, some time to talk about it. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll keep plugging in on the show, but uh, I want to keep the shows pretty much separate. Yeah. Um. Uh. And um. Of course, your show is uh, more than one lesson. It is uh, a movie talk for the discerning Christian. See how tight that was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if any slogan should contain the word discerning, but uh, it's not the most catchy. But uh, it's what I got. Um, but yeah, so uh, there, it's it won't be a weekly show. Uh, sometimes it's every three weeks. Sometimes it's twice in seven days. Uh, mm-hmm. There's really no rhyme or reason to it. But uh, there's 22 episodes available right now. I just put one out uh, this uh, this week with uh, Corey Edwards, uh, who's a director. He directed. Uh, uh, the animated film Hoodwinked, and he is going to be directing the upcoming Fraggle Rock uh, movie. And so uh, that was a, a lot of fun. And then uh, Doug Jones was also on More Than One Lesson, and, and that was a fun... Uh, That's very nice one. You got to spend a whole afternoon with Doug Jones. I huh? sure did. And uh, he's he's uh, an incredibly nice guy. And, uh, you know, I, listeners, if you want to talk to him on Facebook or something, he'll probably respond. So <laughs> just letting you know that. If you want to get him for your own podcast, he'll probably do it. It'll take a while to get there, but he'll, there's no question he'll do it. Don't tell him I said that, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, so you can go to morethanonelesson.com and uh, you can find the show there as well as uh, blogs that are relative, uh, relatively... Uh, yeah, like every... I don't know. It's, the blog is not as updated as often as I would like. But more often than the Battleship More often than blog. the Battleship Retention blog, yes. Um, and it's by, you know, me and friend of the show, Jason Eakin, uh, a guy named Josh Long and a lot of people. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm getting there, David, with Twitter. Uh-huh. Uh, you can find me at More Lessons. Yeah, well, I, I didn't know about those comments on my article until I saw it on your Twitter. All right, well, I'm glad I could help you out, David. But, uh, uh, yeah. And then, of so- course, you can always get us... BattleshipRetention.com or in iTunes, search Battleship Retention. Subscribe to us on iTunes if you're not. It helps us. Uh, yeah. It helps us if you write a review on iTunes. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at The Pretension. Yeah. You can email us, David at BattleshipRetention.com or Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Uh, I think that's- oh, you know what? Actually, um, so we've been doing these video segments. Yeah. And, um, and we've got four of them available right now. And... Uh, I believe our and it's on YouTube. Our, our YouTube channel name is, I believe, BP Video One Thousand, because BP Video was taken. Sure. And uh, as Video, videos of Brad Pitt. <laughs> you know what? Maybe. Or maybe it's Brad Pitt's vlog. <laughs> That's right. It's just like ugh. I mean, you know, even I get I get tired of being Brad Pitt sometimes. <laughs> what if it's him going? I don't understand why more people aren't subscribed to my vlog. I'm Brad Pitt. <laughs> Why has no one heard of this? <laughs> nice, David. Um, but uh, but yeah, so you can go to BP Video 1000, um, or you can just find the videos on uh, BattleshipProtection.com in the video section. And uh, yeah, basically, if you have a question that you would like us to answer succinctly uh, on video, you can tweet it to... Uh, to the, at the Pretension. At the Pretension. On, on Twitter. So... Uh, yeah, and as always, there's a donate button on the on the website, and a donate. There's a whole page devoted to donations. Absolutely, you can either give us a a bunch of money, like uh, 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 uh our uh, friend in Ireland, our friend, yeah, our friend in Ireland, who whose name is, I believe is Graham. Way to go, Graham! 
Um, and or you can do the uh, you can you can subscribe to donate. Uh, it's two dollars a month for one year. Yeah, it's twenty four bucks. It just comes right out. You don't even feel it. You don't even feel it. All right, <laughs> all right. So thanks everybody for suffering through this one. And uh, yeah, no, this we'll, was fun. Was it fun? Yeah. All right. I just I'm I'm always concerned when we uh, stray from the topic so often. Yeah. Okay. Fuck it. Yeah, that'll pr- we're we're approaching three years, and I think probably "fuck it" is going to be our new <laughs> slogan. We'll, but we can't put it in iTunes anymore. So, uh, all right. So, thanks everybody for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.